Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. Y yo soy su otro host, Javier. <laughs> That's all right. Yo soy bien excited <laughs> to be your host, Javier. That's definitely a choice. That was a thing I did with my mouth. <laughs> and uh, this week we are actually reviewing the 1997 biopic, uh, Selena. Biopic. Biopic, biopic. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just. I'm, I say it both ways. I, I know. This... It's a very interchangeable word, and I'm going <laughs> to say it however, like, whatever I'm feeling in the moment. Yeah. And this is kind of a big one, I guess. Like, you know, in terms of, I'll say culturally, right? This, uh, doing this kind of review on a movie like this that is so ingrained and the people that we knew growing up and just us as like Hispanic people it's kind of a and I can't explain why right like well actually I probably can't explain why I think the reason why this movie resonates so much um, is because it's not really just about you know uh, Selena Quintanilla right it's also about there's so much of this movie that's about identity and specifically like, you know, Latinos were born in this country and raised in this country and, you know, our, our, our struggles and challenges with the Spanish language. <laughs> it's, it's definitely. And, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just want to throw in also the struggle of acculturation, right? Like being the first generation born here like we usually have that extra added struggle of trying to like trying to walk the tightrope that is being both of uh latinx descent while still trying to find a way to be american and i think abraham quintanilla's character or played by edward james almost kind of like he i think he puts it the best right how and depending on what the circles you run in the Americans will never like us. We feel like we, we have that struggle of the Americans not liking us and our own people not liking us back home. Um, it's, it it's, is very relatable, you know? Like, I mean, if I go to visit my family in El Salvador or people that I know over there and talk to them, it's like they look at you as you are 100% red-blooded American. and Blonde-haired um, and blue-eyed and all. <laughs> and you know, despite the fact that we were born in this country and we're citizens and we're as American as anything else in this country, we're, you know, because of the fact that our, dis, you know, that we descend from, that we're descendants of uh, people from different countries, we're always looked at, and it's a racial thing, we're always looked at as foreigners. So it's definitely weird. Um, even though I'd say in terms of Selena, we probably have my daughter probably has more in common with her than I would because she is now like, you know, a second generation American. And I'm pretty sure that that's what the Quintanilla children were. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. I All think right. We that. started very philosophically on this, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump into this movie. This is a 1997 movie from Warner brothers. Um, I think what's really I'd like to kind of set the mood for, uh, you know, for, you know, because I saw this movie when it first came out on video and I'd say that uh, I, it was a big deal. I think that Selena's death was what 
made her a kind of burgeoning it took her from a burgeoning pop star and kind of transcended her into an icon and i just there's no way that you can doubt it and i think the reason why she's become such a mega star at this point is because uh she she was someone who was on the cusp of really breaking out and was gone too soon right um it's 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 almost like you know, she's one of the few people who, like, you don't even need to sit around and wait for her last name to show up. You know, if you <laughs> if people just say Selena, then you they know, like, you know who they're talking about. She's very much in that club with Madonna and Beyonce as like the or first share. name status, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, all we have to do is say your first name, and everyone knows who you are. Hmm. I know. I mean, it's really interesting to draw parallels between her and say, like, another person that comes to mind that was in a in a similar kind of like a similar career path, and then also who was cut down way too soon was like Aaliyah, right? Like someone that was like at just kind of all over the place as far as like social, not social media, sorry, pop media was going, and she was just kind of like taking the world by storm for maybe some of our non like latinx uh listeners that might be an appropriate um comparison right like just to kind of really hammer hammer in the point that she was pretty much our version of like yeah like you said madonna (laughs) and and i think like well i think i think what adds a layer of tragedy because the Aaliyah death is tragic in its own right right you know it's like it was an accident like, you know, it was a plain accident. Like, she died with circumstances beyond her control. I think, unfortunately, I think one of the main reasons why Selena gained such stardom and popularity with American audiences, besides, you know, the crossover album that she did right before her death, a lot of it was the fact, the sensationalism of the trial that came after her death. Uh, Yolanda Saldivar, who's the woman who ran her fan club and ultimately kills her um her the the trial was you know it was a a massive deal and all the coverage that that her death got made it more made it like you know it's not just like this huge star from texas and stuff It, it, it was national and it kind of it's funny that we did you know uh cable guy a few weeks ago because it's like it's not completely un you know it's the cable guy kind of poked fun at these giant sensational trials with like that movie within a movie and stuff like that but this the Yolanda Saldivar case is the year after OJ Simpson um so it is i feel like everyone was just kind of starving for those things <laughs> and oh, definitely. you know s- sadly it is kind of what what but I will say that I think Selena's family is pretty smart in the fact that they got to work on this biopic like pretty quickly after uh, after her death because the fact that she died in you know I think it's spring of '95 uh, for the movie to already be out in 1997 it's like they they went ahead in production pretty quickly oh, and yeah. and the fact that it came out so soon after her death. And the fact that I would say that this is probably the best role that Jennifer Lopez ever had, 
it's I almost have a hard time divorcing the the details of Selena's actual life from Jennifer Lopez in this movie. <laughs> in other words, Jennifer Lopez could have like gone in as Selena and none of us would have been the wiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just the fact that, you know, she is so she looks so much like her. And I think to this, I haven't watched Hustlers yet, which which was the J-Lo movie that came out most recently that was garnering her. She never got nominated, but I think it was garnering like Oscar talks. Like that's how that's how. Yeah, that's how big a deal it was. And I think it's her best role. It's widely regarded as her best role since this. You know, yeah, this one definitely put her on the map, like, and she just kind of exploded all over the place after that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing, uh, before we continue with the movie or with our movie review, much like the Zodiac review, this was going to be like one part true crime podcast and two parts movie review. So, while we will be, you know, talking about the movie, the thing is, Angel and I also did a little bit of research, uh, listening to some of the true crime podcasts that are out about uh, Selena Quintanilla's murder, which we highly recommend if you aren't familiar uh, to go check these out. There's some pretty well done ones. The one I listened to, I listened to a quick and dirty one by a show called Hollywood Crime Scene with hosts, I'm going to butcher her name, Desi Jadakin and Rachel Fisher. Really quick, maybe like 58 minutes a little bit under an hour uh gives you kind of just the facts of the case gives you things to know um really quick and dirty way of learning about this case and learning about uh the essentially i guess the 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 superstar to be that was selena and then angel actually listened to another series what was it called angel well i listened to the same podcast that you listened to but on top of that i also listened to a series uh it's another podcast but it's like in series it's called uh selena star dies in texas Mm -hmm. and it's hosted by a guy named rudy trevino who i guess is i don't know if he's like an anchor or he's some sort of news figure in the in the texas area Mm -hmm. who basically it, it more than going over her life it specifically goes over a lot of the details of the case of her death mm-hmm. which i can understand the fact that this came out two years after her death i know why this movie doesn't want doesn't choose to focus on like the grisly details of <laughs> of how she died and mm-hmm. it's like it makes total sense right yeah and it's you're like, actually kind of grateful about it <laughs> yeah it's one of those things that could have been especially coming out so soon after her death it could have been done in high in very poor taste yeah. and, <laughs> and i feel like sometimes like if you watch that tupac biopic like you know which we did a few years ago it's like you know sometimes it's when biopics try to go for the very dramatic death ending it's like they don't really stick the landing and it ends up looking a bit ridiculous and I, i'd say that spoiler alert for my thoughts on that movie i think it's it's not a good choice oh my god you know i'm going to reserve my thoughts on that movie because of how i felt (laughs) because of the emotions (laughs) it made me feel so let us get started angel set the scene for us uh sure (laughs) um well, this the movie starts with, uh, I guess, a famous performance of Selena's from near the end of her life, uh, which she did at the Houston Astrodome, 
in Texas, and she does like a medley of like of seventies uh, disco songs and also like her famous music at the time. Um, it was a pretty big. It's so funny to think about, like the fact that you know we think of her as just being so like beloved, like so soon and so quickly and stuff like that. But really, it wasn't until like the year or year and a half before her death when she really like started getting her her name known out there, like to the point where a lot of the songs in this movie and a lot of the songs that she's most remembered for are from her like fourth studio album (laughs) it's so crazy to think about with how much she's loved and how much attention she's garnered in our community to set like to really think about that what we most know her is that last year and a half of her life yeah and you know what i'm actually i have the advantage of having seen the entire season of the netflix series coming into this episode now um and i despite the fact that there's been a lot of negative buzz around it i would actually say that i thought it was pretty good i don't think it's it's i don't think it's as good as this i think this movie is just what it does in the amount of time that it does it is really good um i haven't had enough time to live with the series to tell you what i think about it but what i appreciate about it is that the series actually spends a ton of time focusing on the gears uh when when selena was just starting out in, in in the music business and more of like those it's just it, it covers a period of time that this movie just glosses over and i appreciate that so okay. once yeah. we get once we get through that uh that initial first scene of her uh that's when we go back to uh when you know, in her into her childhood, which Selena grew up in Lake Jackson, Texas, is what it's called, and uh, <laughs> I guess it's uh, I guess we, what you find out. Well, actually, before you go back in time to Selena's childhood, you actually go back in time even further to when uh, Abraham was younger. <laughs> when oh, he was the nineteen like, sixties with Abraham Quintanilla and his band the Dinos. Yeah, like in the Dinos are essentially a duop. Uh, group uh, who I guess are are being hired to play uh, different clubs in Texas. Except, and and this is pretty interesting. Like, I mean, I do like that they that they kind of focus on this because it it accentuates the point that Abraham makes later. Right? Mm-hmm. It's when they're booked in these American white clubs they're not really allowed to play there because it's whites only, right? And we're in the mm-hmm. 1960s. And then, you know, when it comes to them playing the Mexican clubs, <laughs> a full-blown riot starts because they're not playing, like, Mexican music. <laughs> I was like, this is so goofy, but I don't know if... I can't say I can write this off because historically it could have happened. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I think more importantly, I, w- what's important for us to remember, too, with any biopic is it's you're not watching a documentary of somebody's life. Yeah, you're watching but... a you're watching a fictionalized version of someone's story told in a way that is, you know, folded into a narrative structure. So I'm OK with this being whether it's true or not. What I like is that it outlines it outlines a point that is made later in the movie, and I'd say that that point 
that is made by Abraham is maybe one of the main reasons why the movie has the kind of staying power that it does like just Mm -hmm. decades later. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good narrative device to, to, to put that in because you have the juxtaposition of Abraham and the Dinos not being able to play in these white restaurants because they're looked down upon and then they can't play in the normal, or I'm sorry, the, 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 the Mexican clubs for the same reason, because they, they don't play music. Right. So it's like, like that that's something that's very relatable for folks uh especially folks in our situation um being first second generation folks here right um yeah but i thought that that really hammers uh hammers in the point and i like that they do these time jumps they don't spend too much uh time they don't get in the nitty-gritty they like pretty much the time jumps just serve to kind of like set the set the set the foundation of the film to really get us where we want to go which is in the 1980s right where abraham and uh abraham is a little bit older now he's uh, established he's married he, like he i forgot what job he's working but he's working like this office job where he makes enough money for him to buy a house for himself his wife marcela marcela samora and their three kids abe the third uh suzette and selena um and you know we get a little a little slice of what their life is which is very uh i I want to say white picket fence but i mean it's a pretty like idyllic life right it's really nice they live in the suburbs uh pretty cool house um and and then we we discover or well more more it's selena that discovers about uh abraham's like musical past and his band the dinos um you know we get that scene where it's like a the barbecue in the backyard and they, while the kids are playing football she kind of breaks off from the rest of the group to see her dad play guitar where she kind of like harmonizes with them while he's playing which then uh brings back or it lights that fire that musical fire that abraham had before and immediately he thinks that you know selena's got talent and he thinks that uh, he can start a new band, and this time using his kids. And I love the scene; <laughs> he pretty much like forces the kids to play, uh, to start learning to play instruments. Because he goes, "Yeah, Selena, you're gonna be singer." Um, and he goes, uh, "Ab, you're gonna be on on uh, you're gonna be on guitar, and Suzette, you're gonna be on drums." And the kids just start like losing their shit. They're like super pissed. They don't want to be in this band. It was something I totally understood <laughs> as being remembering as a kid all the times my parents forced me to do stuff that was just like this is so lame. But particularly in that scene, I found it hilarious when uh, Abraham like forgets Suzette's name. He was just like Selena, AB, girl, just get back on your instruments. <laughs> This movie, you know what? I'd say the one thing that 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 I, I didn't want to watch the Netflix series before we did this review. It just kind of happened that way. I was hoping to watch just the movie so that I wouldn't it wouldn't paint how I felt about this. But especially now that I've seen you know some of the series, like this this movie does not do justice to a character like Suzette. <laughs> She is like very, very much glossed over. She's um, super thrown in the background. <laughs> absolutely, and and it's funny because it's it's 
you know, one of the things that we should pay attention to is the fact that, you know, she, she early on in this movie talks about how she doesn't want to play the drums, but it, it wasn't, you know, I'd say Abraham Quintanilla, while he is very much like those parents that you see in, in all of those like reality TV shows where they like force their kids to do pageants and stuff like that. Well, he's very much that kind of toxic parent. <laughs> um, it's hard to argue with the fact that, you know, the stuff that he basically did as a manager, you know, made it possible so that someone who was a woman like Selena was able to find such success in the music industry. Um, Am he's I, shrewd. My... He's shrewd. <laughs> he was very much a jerk. And I think there's a lot of people out there that don't like him. And there's a lot of things that he's done before and since and all the issues that Selena's family has had with her husband, uh, Chris Perez, like, you know, it's like all of that stuff exists, but it's hard to argue with the fact that, you know, in this band, you had a woman that played drums, which is a pretty radical notion in the seventies. Um, and then you also, well, it would have been the eighties around this time. Well, when they were first starting to play, I think it was still the late seventies, but yeah, we're, we're going into the eighties. Fine. Um, (laughs) But just anything not to admit I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's just I, I like again I, all these dates in my head. I can't um, um just shut up. It's probably <laughs> it's probably all conflated since you were like I'm gonna go above me on and watch the entire first season of Selena. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably it. <laughs> what was but... it? <laughs> I grounded myself in the real world and what we agreed upon. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I'm. Is it my place to say that Abraham Quintanilla may be a little bit like Joe Jackson? No, I can't do that. Am I gonna think it? Well, it is a free country. <laughs> well, that's neither here nor there. But I mean, there there is no. I mean, there's no denying the man did know. How, he did know the business, right? And he did mm-hmm. know what worked. And I'm not going to say that he's as toxic as Joe Jackson was because Joe Jackson was a serial abuser mm-hmm. who caused serious emotional damage to his family. And I don't know the extent <laughs> of emotional damage that Abraham Quintanilla may have caused to his. Um, again, because this movie paints how you see that family so much, right? Mm-hmm. And even the new series, it's produced by you know, by Suzette and other members of the family, it's like they get their input in everything. So it's hard to really know how some of these things go, but mm. I wouldn't compare him to that. I'd probably, you know what I'd compare him to more? It, it, like right now, the modern example in the sports world, <laughs> uh, LeVar Ball. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball, in, 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 he went from this guy who who talked his son into a top you know, whatever NBA pick to go to the LA Lakers. And as of like this year, he has three sons that are going to be playing in the NBA. All of his sons are going to be playing in the league. Like that is incredible. It's pretty cuckoo bananas. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so yeah, I'd probably compare him to something like that. <laughs> and for the record, no, I do not actually think Abraham Kington is comparable to Joe Jackson. Joe Jackson was a giant <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> All right, now that I clear that up and immediately backtrack my hot take. <laughs> so, he, so I guess in this movie, the idea is that Abraham wants the kids to start uh, playing in a band 
and he wants us he wants to open a Mexican restaurant. Uh, because and I think one of the things that we didn't mention and in the series does kind of it, it at least shines a bit of a spotlight on this is Selena's born and raised in the early part of her life in Lake Jackson before they moved to Corpus and it's kind of made clear that Lake Jackson at least in this time when they're growing up is it, it's, it's it's a predominantly kind of, white town. Yeah, it's an it's a quote unquote nicer neighborhood than where they lived, and one of the reasons why they have a hard time, you know, letting go when they start the restaurant. Selena's playing at the restaurant. It looks like things are going really well, and then the nineteen eighties recession comes in, and uh, oh. Reaganomics essentially forces them to 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 shut their business down for good. Oh, any um, movie that dunks on Ronald Reagan is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, because it's like, you know, <clears throat> there's a ton of people, even in this generation, who still sing the praises of Ronald Reagan, right? But <laughs> my answer to that. <laughs> yeah, and I think now we're a lot more cynical of it. So, thank yes, I love movies that can try to dunk on Reaganomics. Point is, <laughs> listeners, if you guys want to dunk on Ronald Reagan, <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> but anyway, like you were saying, unfortunately, the because of the uh, the recession of the '80s, the family ends up going bankrupt and losing the restaurant. Uh, where they have to end up moving to Corpus Christi. And essentially what they do is they got to take the family band on on the road to kind of like support the family. So it's like this weird time in there. I don't know how, how the series plays it, but at least in um, Hollywood... Uh, ah, crap. I, I don't want to mess up the, the show name. <laughs> in Hollywood crime scene, the way they explained it was that you know, pretty much the kids would go to school from Monday through Friday, and then like Friday night to Sunday night, they're pretty much like they're 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 all piling into this van and going to the different places, staying up at all hours of the night just to kind of like keep uh try to keep up, right? Yep, the series goes through that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is that is that is very much what what uh, especially the first half of uh, the season is is um, showing the touring. Uh, how basically selena didn't really have much of a childhood unfortunately right mm-hmm. i mean the, the 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 negative impacts of this is that because they were touring all the time she wasn't in school very often uh, she ends up finishing her education via correspondence courses mm-hmm. um but yeah it's 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 yeah the, the series does go into that more which again is one of the things that i appreciated mm-hmm and it's like as the years progress, like they start get, gaining a little bit, a little bit more popularity. Um, but you know, there's always the struggle where Selena's trying to put more of her actual personality into the into the into her, her performance, right? She's trying to like incorporate more of her dance moves. She's trying to put more of herself out there. But she's always like at odds with her dad, who is very traditional and wants to keep uh, the act pretty much kind of like to what he saw like his vision right so there's yeah. always that kind of struggle and it kind of feeds into this whole idea of down with the patriarchy <laughs> well I, and I don't want I don't want to be the but in the series guy but I kind of am gonna be here the other thing that the series that the Netflix series does um, that I like is that it actually deals with a lot of the issues not issues 
but just kind of the weird identity stuff when uh selena first signed with sony emi the record mm-hmm. company that she would be with like for i think pretty much all of her career um or at least like the main company that the major label that she signed to um like they you know they they go through this like episode where it's like they want to change the way she looks they want to change the way that she presents herself they decide on the album cover they decide what kind of music she's going to play and all that kind of stuff where it's like they don't want her singing in in english because they don't they want to expand her spanish mark the the spanish listening market uh first before they do that and all that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. And what I do think is interesting about the series is that it, it it paints Selena and Abraham less at odds about that kind of stuff, the way she chooses to present herself, even mm-hmm. though I'm sure that that there were like problems. Like it's like exactly like in this movie where Selena decides that she wants to wear the bustier <laughs> and her father like, you know, has a meltdown over the fact that she is. And it's not totally it's not totally undeserved because I think specifically the scene we're talking about, I think she's still underage there. Is she not? Or is she already 18 years old? It is fair to assume well, she passed away at 23 and that was what, 94? That was 94? Yeah, so oh, okay. Well, no, it's 1990, I guess. So it, she might be like 17, 18. So she yeah. might be like, yeah, good point, good point. Yeah, I, <laughs> I it's like the movie about, kind but... of paints paints Abraham as a villain for that, and I'm not saying that you know. Again, we're very sex positive here on this podcast, right? But you know, if your child is a minor that's touring. I'm not saying that her father should control everything that she does. I'm just saying that I don't think he's totally wrong <laughs> for having a bit of a problem with it. You heard it here first, guys. Angel is super into the patriarchy. Cancel him. <laughs> Cancel this man. Um, but they kind of turn it into a gag here and stuff. Uh, yeah, but it's just it's that line where he's like Busta La Caca or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> but and. <laughs> And you know what is really funny? It's a, here's here's vocabulary word. I didn't know what the word bustier was. Like I I learned the word bustier through this movie because I was like seven years old and this movie came out. Mom, what's a bustier? Smacked <laughs> upside the head. Oh my god! So. Uh, as the band starts getting success, they try to incorporate more members, and here comes my favorite trope in this movie. If Chris Perez is gonna be on screen, you better fucking play some Guns N' Roses, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's so goofy. But Chris Perez pretty much gets brought in by A.B. Quintanilla, uh, because, and he's brought in because he's like this badass metal guitarist. Like most of it, like everything about him is rocker. Like he has the long hair. He's got like the long greasy hair, the ripped pants. He's got like an Iron Maiden tee. And then um, while at first Abraham doesn't want anything to do with Chris, he hates the heavy metal style. He ends up hiring him on AB's uh, pretty much um, on his recommendation, right? And I love the scene <laughs> where they got to cut his hair because for some reason they got to play like guns and roses they play welcome to the jungle the entire time so the idea is that they like prettify him so that he fits into the uh he fits into the mold of of selena and the dinos um and here you know they they finally meet uh and immediately they like you know start making goo goo eyes at each other 
And you know what? This this movie actually handles their relationship with a bit more subtlety mm-hmm. than the series does, which I watch. The series is kind of like it feels more like romantic and like illogical, not illogical, but just a little bit overdone. It's kind of like, all right, you relax. <laughs> but but it's, in this one, what it, what this one does that that's really crazy out there is the fact that you know that the makeover seems so quote unquote drastic, whereas like in the series it's like Chris they just tell him oh you know you might want to clean up if you're gonna be in the band so he just like shaves and then puts his hair in a ponytail in the next scene <laughs> and they don't make a big deal out of it where this one makes a ja- giant deal out of it. But the fact that jungle baby, you're gonna die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then we get the scene of of uh, Selena and Chris like talking to each other for the first time on the bus after she's seen him and after she's like you know like you said they made googly eyes at each other. Um, There's the scene of them at the pizza joint, (laughs) which is a funny which is a funny thing. But you know. uh, According to to the you know the the what is it the Hollywood uh, crime or yeah Hollywood crime scene yeah according to Hollywood crime scene you know they really did like kind of unofficially officially get together at like a pizza place which is Pizza Hut right hey Pizza Hut represent <laughs> I used to be a delivery driver <laughs> but in this one they they just use that as like a you know they're going to a pizza place. A, a uh, dis, you know, legally distinct pizza place. <laughs> welcome where... to, <laughs> welcome to the pizza shack. Yes, not a hut, a shack. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it, I the relationship between <clears throat> between Selena and Chris in this movie is basically what drives the narrative forward, right? Mm-hmm. He enters it, and I, you just really like them together. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing that he does that's particularly unlikable. And I think they try... The bizarre stuff that they do is, like, the hotel party where he... It was so random. <laughs> there was, like, no lead-up. You're not... Like, you don't get told who the guys are even in the fucking hotel room. Just suddenly they're there and they're trashing the place. <laughs> Just, like, a wild-ass party. And again, what do they have to play? More Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> It's like they they only had like the rights to that one song that wasn't a Selena song, <laughs> so they're like, let's just make a, let's just make this happen. And it's like you get these random scene where it's like you get the dudes that they're trashing the place, throwing beer bottles, breaking mirrors and shit. And the entire time, for some reason, Chris is not like he's not taking part in any of the partying. He's just literally sitting there strumming his guitar, like brooding. <laughs> and I guess that this was supposed to be after um, this was supposed to be after Abraham finds out that him and Selena were talking in a like romantic sense. So he pretty much like checks them both super hard. Not quite. Well, not not not, not in the movie. Not in the movie. I, I don't know. I don't know what it was in real life. But this is this is like this bizarre time where they're kind of talking to each other, but not really. And I don't know why this happens. But I think it's I think it's after this is when. Oh, when he yells at him? Because yeah. I remember, well, now it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but I just remember that, uh, you know, they yell at they, they yell at Chris and threaten to kick him out of the band. Yes, this is where when, they this is where they first threaten him, but they don't realize that he and Selena are having a relationship. 
and then when he leaves uh, i was about to say <laughs> when he leaves selena comes up and uh talks to him about like why he's throwing this chance away and for some reason he keeps saying that he's just um no good and that you know she should try to find someone else um but you know it's just kind of whole solidifies it's like little like lovey-dubby you know rom-com bullshit where she's just like no i don't want someone else i want you (laughs) yeah it's like oh my god you're so heavy metal and i'm so sheltered and we couldn't possibly be together (laughs) even though i think in real life it's just it's not as romantic and forbidden as this. <laughs> <laughs> I know they try to make it very like uh, Shakespearean. I mean, I get it, right? Like it, it, that's the drama in the movie, but mm-hmm. but then there's like you know what I do like is this movie is kind of a balancing act and it juggles a lot of balls, like in terms of the different facets of her life that it has to cover. Because while it's doing, and the director of this movie, <clears throat> his name is Gregory Nava. And the only other film that I've seen of his that 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 I love as much as this one is is a movie called My Family, mm-hmm. uh, which stars uh, Jimmy Smith, uh, Edward James, almost basically half the cast of this movie, ex- <laughs> with the exception of like you know a few characters in it, like Jimmy Smith and and there's one other character, with the exception of them everyone is in this movie from that really? movie. That's and, movie well because gregory Navas shot selena after my family mm. so all the family like all the the actors he worked with in that movie essentially brings them all back <laughs> oh that's hella funny and that's how you if you you know if you gonna eat your dog's gonna eat and that's how you make sure everyone eats dog well and that's the thing <clears throat> that's that's what i that's another thing i kind of appreciate about the series right is like it's just this movie like i said this movie has such a strong imprint but it's mm-hmm. like it, it's edward james almost as her dad right like and we and i've seen what all these people look like in real life jacob vargas does not look like av in real life mm-hmm. <laughs> what's it called uh arab gitania does not sound like edward james almost in real life <laughs> it's just you know but you know i i they're very well-known actors and i think they play the parts well enough in this movie even though ab much like suzette is a character that's widely ignored (laughs) which you know i mean it makes sense the the focus in this movie is supposed to be on selena so the uh what what happens after this uh selena does end up staying on the band she and chris continue to uh you know kind of yeah see each other in secret and there's a tour that that a touring opportunity that comes up for selena uh, where she's able to go to Mexico. And I think the, there was a lot of concerns from not just her record label, but also her family and management that, uh, you know, because of the experience that Abraham had with Mexican-Americans in Texas, that, that you know, if she goes to Mexico and, and they realize that she doesn't speak Spanish, that it's going to be a disaster. And the funny thing is, like, I've seen like clips of selena like on spanish talk shows and stuff like that and it is really funny and it only makes her even more relatable like Mm -hmm. again i think one of the reasons why she is just kind of an icon is because she is so relatable to us you know Mm -hmm. like how many times have you had a conversation with like you know either members of your family or people that you know who are friends that, that you know that have parents that talk in spanish or or just you know people who talk spanish only like you know or spanish you know is their main language it's <laughs> there's so much there's so much where you just kind of like 
where you just really embarrass yourself (laughs) and i think it's those moments like the one here in mexico where she meets everyone and and she can't find a way to to say excited in spanish so she ends Mm -hmm. up saying it in english to everyone but it's like what is excited in spanish emocionado yeah emocionado Um, that would be no i would have said excited too (laughs) fuck that (laughs) excitado (laughs) but i think the thing is it's again it's her charisma it's her likability it's it's she just had the ability to get away with with doing that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's not undeserved when people are like total sweethearts, like genuine sweethearts, they're able to do shit like that. And it's like the like she she becomes so popular that she like ends up becoming no like they use the phrase artist of the people or artist for the people a lot during like her time in Mexico, right? Because mm-hmm. that's like what they're trying to market her as at this point. Um and you kind of really and they really hammer they hammer in that point uh when she goes to that concert at the at the outdoor festival, right? where they're like oversell tickets and it's like the group starts like the the audience starts rioting and almost like destroy <laughs> they almost like kill a woman and destroy the the stage that Selena and the band are on and uh with AB's help or with the band's help they're able to play a song that kind of calms everyone down kind of like you know <laughs> when you got to play a harp to shut the servers up sort of thing and it's funny too because the movie itself like it it makes it it makes a scene out of like the the near riot that happens in her performance in mexico but my understanding is that the actual event of that performance actually could would have been a legitimate tragedy in real life like that stage was going to fall apart and there was some sort of like serious structural problem and i don't know how they fixed it or got around it but the it had the potential to basically be something tragic (laughs) like i'm talking yeah like i'm talking like you know like michael jackson you know the pepsi commercial where his hair like literally lights on fire like it's Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and apparently it's one of the few it's one of the few moments in this movie where the movie kind of downplays like how dramatic the actual scene was in real life (laughs) really so she did successfully like calm the crowd with music (laughs) i don't know if that's the case but i do know that they had to like at least take her off stage at some point because there were some serious structural problems that's so crazy holy shit uh so after this um i think it was after i think this is where i got a little confused so i think at this point um is when Abraham uh, finds out about uh, Chris and Selena, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where he confronts them both on uh, the tour bus and he fires Chris on the spot. Um, and pretty much like puts Selena in the, in the, in the position where she's heartbroken and she threatens to disband the entire band and tear everything apart. Um to which leads Selena and Chris to actually go like continue their romance uh, behind Abraham's back and uh, even going as far as to elope at the county courthouse. right? <laughs> and I love the scene where they finally elope because like, apparently this was true. Apparently like they, they tried to elope super low key, not telling, uh, not telling anybody didn't even invite Selena's family. 
And then uh, within the hour, it actually breaks news over the radio. And that's actually how our family found out about them getting married. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's one of the few things in her life where you where you kind of like, like, all right, her family was very, her family must have been very controlling if like her only recourse was, I need to get married right now, or I'm not going to be able to see this guy I want to see as like a 20 year old. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I remember they are pretty old school, like Texan Mexicans from, yeah. you know, from the 80s and 70s and 80s, you know, like completely different culture than what we're used to. And one of the things, too, I think one of the things that, that I've listened to their podcast as well, where they've talked about the death of Selena. And I think one of the things that they've kind of mentioned worked against her is because she did grow up so protected by her family like you know it's just a lot of the negative stuff that happens in the record business her her father for as controlling as he was effectively shielded her from a lot of it he took on a lot of that brunt like the the brunt of the uh of the seedy shit that goes on in in show business but because of it uh you know i think the thing with that that people kind of thought that you know that may even be one of the things that 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 caused her untimely demise was the fact that she may have been a little naive as well in some ways mm-hmm. and you know obviously someone who didn't grow up around a lot of people her own age and didn't really have a normal you know childhood growing up and stuff like that they they would they may be forced to make more rat like you know radical decisions like we're just going to go off and get eloped in secret <laughs> as opposed to everything else. But, you know, in the movie, they, they just kind of go through it. And, you know, she has this really, you know, sweet moment with her dad where, you know, they they talk it out and they welcome him to the family. Even though, unfortunately, you know, in the years following Selena's death, it's Chris Perez has, has effectively been ostracized from the family. Really? <laughs> to the point where it's like, you know, they don't really seem like they have much of a good relationship at all. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a point in time before the Netflix series happened where Chris Perez was even shopping the idea of a, I think it was to Lifetime or something like that. But it, the idea was that it would it would have been a series uh, based on their relationship and the years that they that they knew each other and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it was the family who effectively squashed that project. <laughs> saying that you know if you're going to do something that involves her we need to be involved in this as well mm-hmm. so that's freaking wild but this is the part of uh of the movie where where her career does take off uh this is where she releases uh she releases is the crossover album well she even before the cross the, yeah even before the uh english language album she does the she opens the the boutique the selena etc she's this is where she meets yolanda saldivar oh wait that's not a good thing but she <laughs> meets yolanda saldivar who then becomes the fan the 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 president of the selena fan club um and this like around this time is where her album like uh you know her album selena live wins her the the best Mexican American album Grammy Award, which I didn't even know that was a Grammy Award. Honestly, well, even slightly before that, um, there's the album Amor Prohibido, which comes out, and I think it was her. I think it's her either her third or fourth studio album. But this album, I'm going, and it's the one I'm talking about, where I tell you, 
like it's anytime that you think of like the famous songs that that she performed and a lot of the songs from this movie which i love the way that this movie like intermixes the music uh in, oh, intermixes yeah. her music into the narrative it's so seamless you know and i think specifically because again we did see the tupac biopic <laughs> and we've you know it's like the Tupac biopic, I feel like, was just so obsessed with getting the aesthetics rights of his music videos that it felt like any time that you were watching the music, it was interrupting, like, the actual narrative of the story. It was and this jarring. Was, yeah, <laughs> and this one was a lot more, like, fluid, and I give this biopic a lot of credit because of that. It's because um, All Eyes on Me... All right, sorry for the little tangent, but it's because All Eyes on Me was doing this weird thing where it was trying to be, like one part biopic one part like documentary like it felt it needed to tell um tupac's story and try to be tupac resurrection part two you know <laughs> um while this movie was actually you know like more credit to the, the director um to gregory nava actually directing this film like a narrative film and like having the idea of it just happened to be about this the, this musical character um because ultimately at the end of the day the way this film is shot and everything like that it's all meant to be it's all about these characters um and the way the narrative is like like the way they create these story beats and stuff like it's filmed in the way your traditional movie is filmed right and i guess like the, the closest thing like the closest genre i can compare this film to aside from like being a biopic assuming that selena wasn't a real person this was an original idea would be like a romantic film a romantic drama right mm -hmm. um and because it was filmed in that sense it was it it made for a better experience as a viewer you know yeah that's just my two <laughs> well yeah and then then going back to the the studio album that i was talking about Amor Prohibido, that was a song that came out after she and chris got married it's mm -hmm. kind of like the you know it is her fourth studio album confirmed so it's the fourth of five. She only released five, uh, you know, uh, pre-death, right? Mm -hmm. And this was the one that effectively broke her into into much greater like mainstream acceptance. Uh, the album is I I'd, I'd probably put it there with stuff like the I'd put it up there with some of the better Beatles albums I've ever heard. I'd put it there with biggie's ready to die like a ton of albums like i think it's one of the best albums that exists <laughs> i beg your pardon no like were, i mean i'm kidding you were just trying like... to say the two best albums you can think of you said generic beatles album and then biggie well no obviously if you're talking about the beatles you're talking about the white album right like it's just it's one of those seminal works i think and I think it's it's the one where I feel like she really, how do I say? Like no, it's the one she, she, she broke out. She, she broke out of the constraints of the Tejano music market and effectively uh -huh. created her own genre. Like yeah, I she, think that's the, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, and one of the criticisms of the series on Netflix is that it focuses too much on her father and her brother. But I do think that that Av Quintanilla deserves a ton of credit for working with selena to craft a sound that is so recognizable as her own 
that it just that even it stands outside of the regular like spanish language music that you hear like you know there's cumbia there's there's techno there's you know uh there's tejano music like it it, it goes like it pulls a, a bunch of different uh genres and, and kind of hoists them together and i think there's even one there's even one of the uh, the songs on that album which is probably it, it's my favorite song on the album is like a cover of back to the chain gang <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know it's good it's good i recommend it for everyone and what i meant to say by listing all those other albums was it's it's one of those albums that i can listen to from first song to last song uh and it's just it, uninterrupted you know, I'm just giving you some shit, but it's, it's just funny that the two you pick were such I think I picked, I, picked, I picked Biggie because his album, his first album is a classic mm. and he did pass away. Um, and I guess something like the White Album is like, so it's like, it's one of those ones that music scholars tell you is great. And I would probably stand that album, that Selena album up with all of them because the crossover album is good. And it has like two of her biggest singles because it was a crossover album. But I think this album, like my friends who don't speak Spanish, like, you know what I mean? Like I have friends who are black or Asian or, and don't even understand Spanish who can recite lyrics from that album. Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) Like it is wild how much, you know, almost what twenty six years later, how many, how many people? Not even, not even people that were Mexican American, people of all Latin American like descent, people of all like minority descents in the U.S. are, are like recognize and relate to Selena on some level. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of tangent. But how excited were you to update the uh, the the playlist uh, for the show? Oh, uh, I, I haven't. I have not done that yet, but I will. I'm very much looking forward to doing that this week. <laughs> uh, so at this point, yeah, things are going. Things are definitely going on like on this meteoric rise for Selena. Um, that they also. This is the part of the movie where they introduce the character of Yolanda Saldivar. So and this Yolanda... is going to be the uh, true crime portion of it. I did want to get into a little bit of Yolanda Saldivar's uh, creepy past and kind of like what she, you know, what. Well, like, talk to her is more than just the character and actually the person, right? Because I think I made the joke about it when we were getting ready. How Yolanda Saldivar is pretty much the cable guy idea to its most logical and realistic conclusion, unfortunately. So Yolanda Saldivar was actually a, um, if I remember correctly, she was a nurse that worked with like cancer patients out in Texas. Correct. And she had a history of being able to, of just this history of really like just poor relationships with her employers that always ended over disputes or money or some sort of like uh, reprimand action taking place uh, where she ended up, you know, um, leaving those jobs and actually quitting her job as a nurse to become the full-time president of the Selena fan club. And I guess the thing about Yolanda Saldivar is that when you think of like obsessed, like, swim fan-esque like styles of creepy like that's kind of what she encompasses like stan culture she's she's 
she's the basic representation of like she, yeah, the she dangers of toxic fan and stan culture. She was stan you know, before like, stan was a thing. <laughs> yeah, like she was she was I think 6 years older than Selena, but apparently looked a lot older mm. than she was, which is why they they had the actress uh, Lupe Antiveros yep, or something. Lupe her name is. But you'll but you'll see her in like tons of like <laughs> Latin movies and like she's again like these these actors have made the rounds in all these mm-hmm. different movies. Um, but it, the reason why they got her, who was I think she was in her forties at the time, was because Yolanda definitely looks older than she is. Um, she starts off as like I guess the leader of her fan club. And strikes up a relationship with Selena, and they become very close. Uh, and I think the movie kind of touches on how clo- or how they kind of start getting mm-hmm. close. You know, it, it jumps right into you know Yolanda going from the fan club president to running her boutiques, which is it's so weird to think about. It's like <laughs> it's like how do you go from like being on the outside, like running a fan club to all of a sudden you're handling financial decisions <laughs> for for Selena. And and the, apparently she's they're... still getting paid, but she takes a monumental pay cut to be able to do this, but because it's her dream job, she just does not give a shit. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing too is because she does have access to the financials of Selena's businesses and she did have a company credit card for the boutique, like she ends up like spending it on things that she shouldn't spend it on, like rental cars, mm-hmm. uh, extravagant trips, and and this is stuff we learned. Basically, she was in. Basically, the reason why, you know, why they end up wanting to get rid of her is because she is uh, she's embezzling money from the businesses. And mind you, this is stuff we learn after the fact, like not um, like the, the movie doesn't really. Uh, cover this like i think as far as the movie goes uh abraham finds like some mismanaged like stock room stuff um and that's the reason why they end up finding her in the film in reality there's a little bit more that went into it like angel was saying like they're like she mismanages a lot like that we're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars mm-hmm. Um, before, before I continue, one thing I did skip that I wanted to go back to was the, uh, boutique scene, uh, before they, when, uh, when Selena and her cousin go to buy a dress at the, for the Grammys. I can't believe we forgot that. How, like, so how iconic that scene is. (laughs) So, uh, for those of you that will remember, I'm assuming people will remember if they're listening to the show. But it's like, so, you know, we get that awesome scene, the hilarious scene where um, Selena and her cousin, they fly to L.A. They got three hours to kill. They're trying to find a dress to go, uh, I think, for the cousin to go to the Grammys with her. So when they go into this boutique, it's like that's her friend. Is there a friend? I thought it was like her cousin or some shit. No, it's her. It's I don't know if it's her best friend, but it's one of her friends. It's Deborah. I don't know what Deborah is to her. It on on Wikipedia just says Deborah. But her and Deborah, they go to this, um, they go to this boutique, and immediately they got followed by this uh, sales rep who just does not like believe they should be there, and so she starts, uh, you know, she starts falling. Racist, bitch. 
<laughs> your word's not mine because it stays on brand <laughs> but pretty much yeah she it's totally like just she's just being total racist bitch just like following him around like making gross little comments about how they can't afford the dresses uh selena insists that they take the dress off the mannequin so that they can try it on uh selena ends up getting recognized by one of like the back stat like stockroom uh delivery guys who loses his shit and like word that selena's in this mall spreads like wildfire to the point where she's just like impromptu uh impromptu like autograph session right where she's just mobbed by like these dozens and dozens of people just like this huge mob of people like all like trying to get her attention she's been total sweetheart signing stuff uh for people and then uh you know the and then the 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 funny part is seeing this this woman like try to figure out who selena is and then finally someone tells her how she's like this amazing musician that's like super famous and of course selena gets the comeuppance where she can't now she gets to order the boutique chick around it's it's fantastic everyone loves this scene and i feel that if i didn't talk about it you and i would get death threats from at least three people we know <laughs> so i just wanted to throw that in there but uh let's go back to yolanda good old yolanda uh, this is where the this is where the film starts kind of uh taking its its more dark turn right it's it starts getting a little bit more serious um so yolanda ends up um she ends up taking or or, you know i think it's some of the other boutique uh employees like they try to after after her grammy win and after like selena's boutique lines are starting to take off um a bunch of the staff like and her friends want to like they want to get selena a gift to kind of like uh commemorate and thank her for all their opportunities she's getting or she's giving them. Uh, so Yolanda says that she knows the perfect gift. And if they all give her the money, she can do the shopping for it. And she ends up buying Selena this ring uh, that has like an egg on it. <laughs> and the the thing is, this is where she, uh, you know, she tells Selena that the gift comes just from her. And, and completely excluding everyone else in the uh, that that pitched in for the gift, um, and then this leads us into Abraham finding out about uh, finding out about the about Yolanda mismanaging their funds and using money for whatever things she was doing. Uh, Abraham tells Selena, who doesn't believe him at first, but. Um, you know, uh, she comes around and they end up confronting her. And while Yolanda can't um, account for any of the missing business records, uh, they that's when they end up firing her. Uh, as far as the movie goes, it's a pretty relatively easy split. Um, or it's like a clean split. Uh, however, in the... In real life, in reality it was a little bit more bitter and angry and it was a little bit, uh, uh, yeah, it it wasn't nearly as clean as it looked in the movie. Um, while, while uh, Yolanda denies doing anything wrong or, or, or stealing the documents or anything, um, Selena 
you know, vents her frustration, her disappointment, her anger, not just because of her screwing like Selena and her family, but also most importantly, screwing the fans. Cause I think they also find out that she, that Yolanda hadn't been sending any of the promised gifts uh, to the rest of the uh, fan clubs. I mean, her her intent wasn't really to be doing a lot of this stuff. What she really wanted to do is she wanted to get involved in Selena's life. Mm-hmm. And she ends up getting very close to her in real life. Uh, way closer than is probably <laughs> than is probably advisable for sure. someone who is yeah, in a yeah. position like her. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, you get these last few scenes in the movie where uh, she's you know, Selena's recording the uh, the crossover album. She has the pizza date with her dad, and they remember that you know they they make they make the re- the callback about you know her performing at Disney World and stuff like that, which is what they've always wanted, and the fact that you know that she really made it now. And you know, again, she she went from someone who was in a predominantly male dominated like musical genre, and also culturally, we know how you know male centric hispanic culture is like she broke through you know the genre of music that she was in she broke through a lot of the cultural barriers um and you know you do kind of get this moment to appreciate that part of it before you know we get to the scene of her performing you know dreaming dreaming of you and then the way that this movie chooses to show <clears throat> her death is, you know, having the rose fall that's got blood on it. And, you know, then it's like this dramatic montage of <laughs> the actress who plays Yolanda, like in, in her car. And, you know, th- this is, you know, all right, this is the sad part of the movie at the ending where you see videos of real life Selena, you see the reaction of all the actors, uh, you know, of all of her family in the movie as well, you know, to her death and stuff like that. So <clears throat> this is probably a good time as any to get into the actual true life, you know, true crime story. So essentially what happened is when Selena... Um, you know, at some point they realized that they were not going to be working with Yolanda anymore because they did, they discovered that she was embezzling money from the businesses. Um, there was paperwork that I guess like, or some sort of bank statements or paperwork that Yolanda had that she was telling uh, Selena's family that she was going to give to them that she had not given to them yet. Um, I think Abraham and Chris and other people around her you know, unfortunately, I think they all had the right idea in that they kind of wanted to be the ones to deal with it instead of Selena. And I, you know, again, when we talk about like maybe someone who was a lot more naive than she should have been, um, <laughs> Selena really, you know, wanted to reach out to Yolanda and be the one to <laughs> kind of find a way to get all the, the paperwork they needed from her so that they could essentially have a clean break from her, fire her from the businesses, uh, effectively and terminate her, you know, uh, Selena's relationship with her. And what happens is, you know, when Yolanda is confronted by Selena's family, she gets a gun. And there's, again, a lot of the stuff that we're kind of going over 
has been in podcasts and we'll link them on our page because they describe this in a way that's much better than anything that we could do right <laughs> they do a shit ton better job than we could <laughs> yeah but uh, essentially what happens is you know there is i don't know if it's a performance or you know selena and Yolanda, everybody i think everyone are, are um involved at some point there's some sort of mexico trip right which is some sort of obviously it's a business trip uh that selena goes on <clears throat> but uh, coming back from that trip uh yolanda i guess when selena's supposed to be collecting documentation from her ends mm. up telling selena that while she was in mexico and monterey that she got raped yeah that's what it was and this is real life stuff like i mean this is stuff that yolanda actually told selena um and the day that selena's murdered you know she actually went she actually takes yolanda to the hospital and has you know has doctors look at her take her to an emergency room and essentially you know i I don't know if they use like a rape kit or something like that but i think they were they pretty much told selena that you know that she wasn't you know that that there was no clear evidence that she was raped not that she wasn't but Mm -hmm. there was no clear evidence that that's what had happened um they did note um yeah they they just noted that 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 she hadn't been raped uh selena go ends up going back to i guess it's a days in in corpus christi uh where both of them get into an argument inside of yolanda's room yolanda shoots her on when selena i don't know if she's like running away or on her way out uh, yeah, it, she was headed for the door because Yolanda like pulled the gun out. Like something, something happened where they grabbed the purse, and the gun get like I don't know. If, I don't remember if it's that Yolanda like flashes the gun at, at Selena to like scare her. But uh, the point is like she turns around on Yolanda to try to get to the door, and that's when um, and that's when Yolanda shoots at her getting her like in the back shoulder area but because of the angle it like hits her like chest and it's uh, severed, it severs a major artery yeah <clears throat> and uh, she essentially dies from massive blood loss mm-hmm. she uh, actually makes it as far as to like what run maybe a hundred feet down the hall yeah like, into the lobby of the day's hand yeah and where she essentially, like, I think her dying words were Yolanda followed by the room number that she was in. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, said that uh, by the time the, the, the paramedics made it, I think they had, like, what, maybe a four-minute response time or something like that. But by the time they got there, like, a lot of the first responders knew right away, like, they were trying to find uh, Pulse, but what they were actually finding were kind of, like, death spasms. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like anyone, at, at, like it, all the pro, pro, all the professionals already knew that unfortunately Selena had passed away. Yeah. Um, so Selena dies like around midday, because um, I guess she goes to see Yolanda like early to later. To it's like late morning. Yeah, you know, it's like when eleven she goes, o'clock or something. I yeah. think is the timeline they establish. Yeah, and I think by like either twelve thirty or one p.m., like she was already dead. Um, after she dies, uh, Yolanda is in a parking lot in her truck mm. where she is in a standoff with police, uh, talking to a negotiator, where I think it was about a total of nine hours. Um, 
in the podcast series that I listened to, the, you know, Selena Stardice in Texas plays a ton of the, of the recording that they How had. How eerie is it? It's, you know, Yolanda is someone who, she's obviously sounds hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons why she ends up getting convicted of the death of Selena is because she you know she obviously has some sort of mental issues uh she is not usually consistent with what she says happened you know in the hotel room there are moments where you know where where she seems to admit the fact that she killed her um there are other moments where she you know says it's an accident and the gun just went off there's other moments where she talks about how you know, the danger was her father and that she got the gun for protection and stuff like that. Like these are hours of conversations and the officers that were talking to her, um, they talked to her in a way as to kind of like, they're basically trying to talk her out of the car so that they can arrest her and and keep her Mm -hmm. from killing herself because what she was really threatening to do more than anything was to kill herself. Mm -hmm. Um, and they would they much rather wanted to have her be arrested um they didn't really tell her what happened with selena they they hadn't really told her that she died um i don't know if she like heard it on the radio in the car that she was in and but she at some point she discovers but you know they see and the movie does capture that scene of it where she's in the car saying i don't deserve to live i killed my best friend and this kind of stuff but it's yeah, it, it's grim to say the least <laughs> to watch that. Um, the death of Yol- the death of Selena. Uh, once Yolanda finally is apprehended after like just like nine and a half hour standoff, um, the, the trial ends up happening, and this is when it got super famous. Like I remember my mom, you know, or like my parents watching the trial on like all the spanish channels (laughs) not the trial but like it was like it was nightly news every Mm. single night it was like updates on the trial and by this point selena was so famous that they essentially could not you know they they could not uh try yolanda in corpus christi or or like her defense argued against it very much because they were they were not willing to find a jury, they, they were not able to find a jury that that would have been a quote unquote impartial jury, right? Yeah. So, despite the fact that the murder occurred in Corpus Christi, they actually end up having to move the trial to Harris County, which is where Houston is, mm-hmm. um, because they needed to move as about as far away from Corpus Christi as they could. And obviously, it still has to remain within the state of Texas. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh you know it's <laughs> Yolanda's essentially like she you know even to this day is literally one of the most hated people in our com- in the latin community <laughs> and one of the uh one of the hosts from hollywood crime scene said that there is still like mexican gangs that are putting out hits on yolanda and because of that she is in constant like solitary confinement yeah, like, the, so she doesn't get murdered. The Mexican mafia has um, other prison gangs have put hits out on her. She's not allowed to be in the general population of the prison. She's usually kept in solitary confinement for I think twenty to twenty-two hours of her day. 
like there's limited amounts of time where she's able to actually be around not just herself Mm -hmm. um (laughs) yeah it, it it's it's almost not appropriate but you know i mean there's something somewhat poetic about the fact that she killed one of the most beloved people of all time so she essentially has to live like alone and mm-hmm. being despised by literally everyone on earth <laughs> like, yeah, to the, like to the point where i think if you ask most hispanic people you know and they had a gun with two bullets and you're in a room with hitler bin laden and yolanda that's, yolanda's getting shot twice <laughs> that's how much she's hated <laughs> oh my god so it is fucking crazy this biopic um you know finally at least the biopic itself ends with the montage of actual like actual footage of selena at concerts um playing over the candlelight vigil that took place at i believe it was the astrodome i honestly don't know but i know that her actual funeral was like kind of an event that was massive you know the Uh, hospital that she was at was full of people that were out there the courthouse where uh where the trial of Yolanda was happening was like, was full of people, um, you know, outside both, you know, calling for her to get the death penalty and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) It's yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's a very crazy like trial and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, jumping back into this movie, um, normally we kind of go and we ask each other do we like this movie and all that kind of stuff but i'll go ahead and jump into my thoughts on it i really do love this movie Uh, it's a movie that i've seen a million times in my childhood um i know we drifted off into more of a grim like crime scene analysis here at the end of the show but uh but in you know this movie i think we talked about it throughout the episode um the fact that it deals with not just Selena herself, who's one of the most beloved figures in, you know, that, that we'll ever know in, in the Hispanic community. I think she's also, uh, again, the movie very much covers something that's highly relatable to all of us. Jayla has a fantastic performance in it. Edward James almost is really good in this. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I love all the character actors that are in it. I like the director. Um, I think the movie handled it handled Selena's life story so soon after her death better than most movies could have. Um, I learned a lot of the just the actors in this movie. This is the first movie that I had seen Edward James almost in. It's the first movie that I had ever seen Jacob Vargas in. Um, Sadie Lopez, like. And these are actors that I've gone on to see in other movies as well that, uh, you know, that, that I've loved since and before. So uh, it, if nothing else, there's just there's so much that comes out of this movie that I appreciate that it's hard for me to review it in the same way that I review, you know, a movie like The Cable Guy, which we did a couple of weeks ago. This feels a lot more like when we did The Mission, you know, in 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 June in, you know, it, it's. It's a movie that I can't give a honest, impartial opinion on. Everything is clouded by how I feel about it. (laughs) And I also just recommend, outside of just recommending this movie for anyone who... I can't imagine anyone who listens to our show uh, who hasn't seen it yet. (laughs) Um, 
I recommend the movie for you to see it and check it out. I also recommend watching the Netflix series for anyone who has not seen it yet. It's I thought it's pretty interesting so far. No, I'm not saying I think it's great or I think it's amazing and all that kind of stuff, but it's definitely worth watching. And um, Angel does not speak for the rest of the show when he uh, vouches for <laughs> the series. Just heads up. Uh, but yeah, I definitely, yeah, it's a great movie. Check it out. Javi, do you like yeah. this movie? In the words of Frank Mendez, anything for Salinas. R.I.P., buddy. <laughs> Set. I just found I found the article. I heard that Frank Mendez passed away. For those of you that don't know, he is from the he's from the scene where the the Quintanilla kids get the big Bertha bus like stuck in the ditch, and they end up uh, and like these two cholo dudes end up trying to help them get the bus out, and it ends up pulling the bumper off the dude's car. And the guy was talking about how he's going to make a shrine to it. And it's going to be like, he's going to put it up on his wall. And he's like, this is the bumper that helped Selena. Anything for Selena's. <laughs> Unfortunately, Frank Mendez passed away earlier this year based on what I've been able to read. Um, yeah, apparently he passed away back on October 4th. So, you know, our hearts got to him because it was a goofy line and he was a goofy character. But God damn it, it resonated with all of us. <laughs> But honestly, yeah, as far as biopics go, this one was a really well done film. Um, I've seen a couple biopics and biopics are really hard because they, like we said earlier, there's some that try to be a documentary. There's some that try to be a narrative, like an actual film. It's like, how much can you put in a story? How real are you willing to let it be for you to um and to, for you to make a good film right like that's the that's the that's the ultimate thing it's like yes you want to stay true to these characters you want or you want to stay true to these people not these characters sorry um but you want to write them in a way where the characters are compelling and interesting you actually want to learn about their lives luckily selena is one of those people who as a person and character is actually really interesting and she's just very like charismatic and she's just some like fantastic performer that you actually do want to learn about um and i felt like the film was done in a very like in a very it was it was done with a very respectful tone that was and you know a big part of it was how the quintanilla family was so involved um so I felt like it was it handled it with the with the grace it needed to kind of like pay respect to her and the family. I felt that Jennifer Lopez did a fucking fantastic job. I felt like um, the yeah a lot of the acting was really good. Like it was like Edward James almost is always fantastic. You know, like I I I have a like he's probably one of my older like favorite uh, actors. Um, but yeah, ultimately it's a it's a it's a pretty good movie. It's a very it's a very well done movie. It's very emotional. Um, like Angel said, it's hard not to review this movie and not be biased. However, I think that um, everything from like the the soundtrack, the cinematography, the way they're the editing's done, especially the editing during the uh, during the concert montage, where they're like editing together essentially five different performances that um that selena was doing in different parts in texas like with the different outfits and just like getting it all like it's just fantastic so honestly 
I like this movie and I highly recommend it for music fans, for uh, people that are uh, Selena fans or people that enjoy biopics because there's some really good ones, you know. Um, I think that like for me, as far as biopic films go, for me, it's like this and Rocket Man about Elton John. Uh, those are kind of like the high watermarks that come to mind. We're slowly approaching the end of year two which is pretty shocking to think about, especially given the fact that you and I are very good at giving up things very quickly after we start. Oh, there's a lot of quit on both of us. <laughs> we give up over like the first hint of anything that like goes wrong. <laughs> but thankfully we have not given up on this yet. And uh, we appreciate you guys continuing to join us for this. And we look forward to talking to you guys next time. <laughs> and as always, if you guys pl- can, uh, you know, give us a little little review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, yeah, that, the thing I don't use. <laughs> if yeah. you guys can give, leave us a review on Apple <laughs> Apple Podcasts, try to try to get the show a little bit more exposure. Uh, we're looking forward to the coming year. Angel and I are hoping to make some uh, really big, uh, exciting changes. Yeah. Yeah, some exciting changes, some exciting like advances with our show. We're trying to now that it's been two years, it's red time for the darkest time of our adventures. <laughs> this is our <laughs> angsty episode two arc where we kill a bunch of Tuscan Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you guys next time. All right, later, y'all. Peace.